We'll start out with a question and gets all of us on the same page. How many people in this room or watching online will admit today in front of everybody that you've done at least one stupid thing in your life? Okay, okay, <laughs> good, good. And if you didn't raise your hand, welcome Jesus. We're glad you're here. Hope you enjoyed that song we sang about you. Um, I, my, my problem in coming up with an illustration um, in regards to doing something stupid was not a lack of examples. It was like, which one do I tell? And uh, I, I was thinking about several years ago where I was sitting on the couch using my remote control and I pushed the button, or for those of you in the South, I mashed it, which is what we do, and, and it didn't work. And so when your remote control does not work, what's the first thing you do? Push it harder, right? You just Because that's gonna fix it. Because, because. God forbid we actually have to get up off the couch and go manually change the channel. That would, I mean, none of you have ever, like, for, I'm being, I was my father's remote control, okay? Hey, boy, change that channel. Um, so I was pushing the button harder. It didn't work. I went and got batteries, new batteries, because I had some. Didn't work. And I was, I was so, fr- I, listen, I know I've got issues. I was so frustrated. I had this remote control in my hand that I just, I just punched it. Now, two things. Number one, I was, I was pretty proud of myself because it was a good punch because it was in pieces. But the second problem was that it was in pieces. And so it's obviously not going to work now. And, and just, just to take this illustration further, there's a consequence for stupid things. Am I right? Because I had to go to Walmart which, which is one step away from hell for me. Like, like Walmart, hell, that's, that's as close as you can get. I had to go to Walmart to try to find a universal remote control. Anyway, long story short, I came back and, and luckily, fortunately since then, I haven't punched any remote controls or walls or puppies. I just, well, I did hit chance once, but that was, he deserved it. So anyway, the, the, the point is we all make mistakes. And the point is there, there's consequences for our mistakes. But the sermon in a sentence today for everybody, just in case you have to leave early or you zone out or you get bored or whatever, the sermon in a sentence today is this, and I'm going to spend the rest of our time together talking about this, is this. The place of your greatest mistake is an opportunity to experience God's greatest mercy. Now, I wrestled with this sentence for, for about three or four days to try to phrase it right. And at first, I, I had the place of your greatest mistake is the place of God's greatest mercy, but, but that's not true. And the reason it's not true is, is because the, the place of our greatest mistake is an opportunity because some, some people don't want the opportunity. They want to continue making their mistakes. Or some people maybe don't think that God would actually love and forgive and accept and, and bless you. We, we've been told, well, God did love you, but then you did that. And once you did that, God doesn't love, he just kind of tolerates you. And so what we're going to do is we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about live full, die empty. And we said last week, we said last week that many people, in fact, most people in the room raised your hand that you ran out of gas at some point. And that, just so you know, is a mistake. Actually, it's dumb. You shouldn't have done that, all right? But all of us, we talked about how we've done this spiritually too, how we're running on empty and how God actually wants us to live a full and abundant life. And we talked about Abraham. Now, last week, Abraham and Sarah, the very first thing we found out about them was that they could not have a what? Child. They couldn't have a child. And 
and, and the prospect of them having a child wasn't good because Abraham was how old? 75. And when you're 75, you're not thinking, let's get the nursery ready. You're thinking, let's get the retirement home ready, all right? And so, or the Winnebago, so we can tour the land. So, so Abram and Sarah are like in their 70s, they're not going to have kids. And, and God tells him, hey, I want you to leave from here and I want you to just walk with me. Just go to where I'm going to show you. And he's like, all right. So, so they get and they start walking. And as he walks with God, remember, God says, I will make. In other words, as we walk with God, we're becoming something. We're becoming someone. And we had the cookie up here, right? right? And I said, God's, God has never made a cookie. By the way, I ate, this, I ate the cookie. It was great. God, it tasted like God made it. So anyway, so we said, God doesn't make the cookie, he just gives the ingredients. And by the end of the story last week, Abram and Sarah were in a great place. Remember, they had arrived in Canaan and Abram was so full, he had built an altar and he realized, you know what? I'm 75, but it's halftime. I got another half to play and the second half is gonna be better than the first half. And everything was going great, but just, just a confession, and I'm sure somebody's gonna click with this. Anytime in my life, things are going really great, I get nervous. Is anybody like this? Hey man, how are you doing? I'm, I'm scared, why? Something wrong? Nope, nothing's wrong. That's why I'm scared. I need something to go wrong because, because it, 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 things get so good. And so here's what happens to Abram and Sarah. And we're gonna walk through this next verse and pay attention because this is, listen, this is fascinating. The Bible is so interesting. People, if you say the Bible's boring, it's because you had, it, it, there is stuff in the Bible that we could not put on television today. I'm telling y'all, and this story is, comes pretty close to one of them, all right? Here we go, check this out. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down, go down. Notice the direction he's going. He's not going up, he's going that was, a, that was, y'all were supposed to give me some input there. It's, it's the, the words right here. So he's not going up. He's going, man, y'all got it. To Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. Now, I love it when the Bible does this for me because I like to use like alliteration and I like to start, start, start things with the same letter or whatever. So we're gonna focus on three words, famine, forcing, and foreigner. Famine, forcing, now, now, in the ancient world, famine was a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal today, but, but it, in the ancient world, it was, a, it was a big deal. And it wasn't this thing that just happened overnight. Famines happened gradually. And a famine was where rain did not fall. And if the rain did not fall, then the crops could not grow. If the crops cannot grow, you can't feed your family. You can't feed the animals. The wells dry up. I mean, it becomes a horrible condition. And I know people going, thank God, we don't have anything like that today. I know, because that would be kind of like, you know, the inflation rate going over 9% and gas prices being ridiculously high and us possibly being in a recession, you know, stuff like that, famine, bad times. And just like we go through bad times in a country, there, there are times where we go through a famine where we feel like we're not receiving anything from God. And so Abram and Sarah, they're, they're stuck in a famine and a famine will cause us to lose focus. 
You ever lost focus? When you pull up to a red light and it turns green and the car in front of you does not go, how much time do you give them before you blow the horn? How many people It's one second, two seconds, three seconds? Y'all are way godlier than me. It, it depends on who's in the car. Because if Shannon's in the car, I got to give it more time because she, her heart is so good. Mine's not. If I don't have Shannon in the car, it's like, but, but most of the time, most of the time, what are they, why, why didn't they go forward? It's because they weren't looking at the green light, they were looking at, and you've done it too. You got mad if the person blew the horn at you, didn't you? Because that email was important. Are you trying to get that selfie, right? Look at this idiot behind me, right? So we, we lose focus, and when we lose focus, we do dumb stuff, or we do accidental stuff. And a famine can cause us to lose focus. Abraham and Sarah were in the middle of a famine, and don't miss this, don't miss this. The famine forced them to go to Egypt. God didn't tell them to go. All this time, they had trusted God. All this time, God had guided them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. All this time, God had been their provider. He had been their protector. He had been their everything. But as soon as circumstances changed, they take their eyes off of God and they put them on the conditions and they say, because of the conditions, we've got to go to Egypt. We got to go to where foreigners. In other words, we got to, we, we got to go to a place where we do not belong. And anytime we take our eyes off of Jesus and we look at circumstances around us, instead of looking to him, we will always, always wind up in places that we do not belong. This, this, is, this, is where, this is what naturally happens when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start to, we start to run out of gas. Were they, were they bad people? No. Were they evil people? No. Were they wicked people? No. They just, they just got caught up in their circumstances and wound up going to a place that God did not tell them to go. This is where it gets super interesting. Watch this. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, you, look, you are a very beautiful woman. Now, ladies, how many of you know that something's coming after this? Like, I'll just ask a question, men, 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 be honest, you're in church. Are women complicated, yes or no? No, oh, dear God, yeah, absolutely. That's the strongest yes I received. It was like, yes! No, don't point, that's weird. But, but yes, yes. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, ladies. You know, you know why you're so complicated? You know why? I'll, let me tell you why. God made you complicated so that your husband will have to pursue you for the rest of your life because he can't figure you out. That's why you're complicated. Now, just to be fair, women, are, are men complicated? No. Heck no. If you said yes, you just married the wrong man. Men need three things. Food, sex, and food after sex. And that's, that's about it. We're happy, right? Every man happy with that? Say amen. Okay, there we go. 
So, so Abram right here is talking to Sarah and he's like, hey, baby. Hey, you so, you so pretty. You look so good. Mm, you are so, if, mm, baby, your leg's tired because you've been running around in my mind all day. <laughs> Laying it on thick. And ladies, you know, you know when he's being serious and when he's trying to spit game, right? Am I right? Okay, so he's trying to spit a little game right here. And he's like, listen, listen, baby, you're, you're beautiful. And um, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Okay. <laughs> Paranoid, anybody? I mean, the conversation is kind of normal. Hey, when the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, kill him. <laughs> then we can have her. Now, fear causes us to do stupid things. Am I right? For example, I asked a couple weeks ago, I don't know how many of y'all are watching the Stranger Things right now. I'm watching Stranger Things. I got how many Stranger Things? Come on. Okay. I'm I'm so into this, but the problem was I was good till last night. And last night I watched the episode where the crazy boy let the spider crawl all over his hand. He's like, there's something about a black widow. I was like, Ugh! for the rest of the night. For the rest of the night. This fell something on the back of my neck, and I'd be like, Shannon's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't, I don't know, something right here. And then you get in bed and you're kind of laying there and you feel like something's crawling on your leg. You're like, whoa. She's like, what's up? I'm like, I'm just, baby, I'm old. My leg just, I'm just, I just do, do that from time to time. I don't know. Fear makes us do crazy things, does it not? But here's what's crazy. Abram wasn't full of fear when he was full. But when he walks away from God and he's going to a place that he shouldn't be going, he gets filled with fear. In fact, it kind of looks like this. Is, is You can look at the full empty chart a different way. You can look at it as faith and fear. When we're full, we will make decisions based on faith, and when we're empty, we'll make decisions based on fear. By the way, the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear. The spirit of power and love of self-discipline. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. For those of y'all taking notes, see a few of y'all writing stuff down. Um, fe fear. And I know what some people are saying. Pastor P, they were in a famine. They had to go to Egypt. No, no. I don't know about you, but I got a God that can supply my needs even in the middle of a famine. God knows how to take care of his children. Listen, he will meet you in the fiery furnace and he will walk with you through the lion's den. He knows how to deliver us from danger and the same God that was with them will be with us no matter what famine the world throws our way. We have a God that is able to take care of us and supply for us in the middle of the, in the, middle of the famine. So, so then... <laughs> It gets worse. It gets worse. Watch where it goes. Um, so please tell them you are my sister. She's like, I'm your wife. I know, but you know, we can just pretend we're from Kentucky. Um, so please. <laughs> so, so please tell them that you're my sister. Then they will spare my life. Hold on. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in 
you. Selfish, anyone? Now, we all get selfish. I'm, I'm selfish. By, we're all selfish by nature. The, the first word your kid learned how to say was, was well, mine, or one of the first five words. I mean, they, we, we learned selfish. Nobody had to teach your child how to be selfish is what I'm trying to say. Now, when I, when I got, I mean, Shannon, my wife, she is, she's amazing. She's, I, I loved marrying her because her heart's great and she's tiny. Now, let me tell you why I love the fact that she's tiny is because when we go out to eat, whatever she gets, she's only going to eat half of it. So I wait to hear what she's going to get and then I order what I want. And she always says, baby, I can't finish this. And I'm like, Baby, I'm here to serve. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, we went down somewhere downtown. We're eating some food, and we're having a great time, and Karis is there, and, and they came up, and they said, do, do y'all want dessert? And Karis was like, I do. And Shannon said, I do, but I kind of feel like I, I just, I, I just want a bite. And I said, baby, just get whatever you want, and I'll take I'll take care of it. <laughs> and the waitress said, can I get you anything? And I said, no, I'm, I'm good because I'm going to eat Shannon's and probably Karis's too. <laughs> they brought it back. They brought the dessert back and it was some kind of cheesecake with cream brulee on top and <laughs> probably laced with crack. I don't know, but like it was <laughs> like Shannon took a bite of it and I took a bite at the same time, and her face just lit up. She said, that is amazing. And you remember how she, I told her I would have a bite? It's pretty much what I got, a bite. <laughs> I'm not making this up. As she was eating that cheesecake, I was getting angrier and angrier, and she called me out on it. And have you ever been going, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Ain't nothing wrong with me. What's wrong with you? Got to eat all that cheesecake, like I said. But I was selfish. I got selfish. I got angry because I wanted something and I could This is what happened to Abram. Abram was like, listen, I got an idea. They're probably going to kill me when they see how hot you are, which, by the way, that's hot. That's hot. They're probably going to kill me, so... uh so, I think I'm going to pimp you out. I'm going to whore you out to the Egyptians. This is what he's telling her now. Some of you are like, no, he's not. No, you're about to see it. He is literally about to pimp his wife out. As I say that, there's not a man in the room that went, hey, baby, I got a business idea. I know how we're going to pay for Christmas. Like, like, if you said it, you won't walk out of here like that. But I'm just saying, whenever, whenever we, we walk away from God and we get empty, we'll do selfish things that always hurt other people. We do. All of us. I've, I know I have. We get so self-centered and self-focused that we'll actually 
forget. Like he, like he's a, he's her husband. Hello, he's supposed to be protecting her and walking with her. He should say, you know what? They're gonna think you're hot. I'm gonna say, dang straight, and she's with me. And if y'all got a problem, bring it. But he, he didn't say that. And, and some people are like, well, that, that couldn't happen to me. Well, it happened to Abraham. And he's called one of the heroes of our faith. Huh. So, so, and sure enough, and sure enough, that's, the, that's how you know that the Bible's written by somebody in the South. Sure enough. Sure enough, when Abraham arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarah's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises. Pause. Here's a woman that has just essentially been told by her husband, you're not valuable enough for me to stand and defend. They get into Egypt, which we could just go ahead and say what the metaphor in this particular story is Satan's playground. And when they get in Satan's playground, well, Sarah hears them singing her praises. Did she like this? Absolutely. If you've been walking along with this guy that's just tearing you down, all of a sudden they're just, they're singing your praises and, and to, to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarah was taken into his palace. Now, I'm sure it wasn't bad at first. Sarah got to go to Pharaoh's palace. She probably got some nice clothes, jewelry, credit card with no limit, right? She's living it up. And, and so at first, it's not that bad. And at first, it's not bad for Abram either. Watch what happens to Abram. Watch this. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts. He, he pimped his wife out. He gets paid. Watch what happens. He gets many gifts because of her sheep, goats, Cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. <laughs> he threw in some cigarettes, just on top, just <laughs> non-filtered kind. <laughs> so, so Abram gets, gets all this stuff. Now, let me ask you a question. What did Abraham and Sarah want more than anything else in the world? A child. And they gave that desire up because Pharaoh sang her praises and Abraham got a little bit more of what he already had. It'd be like this. Let's say, let's say I, I talked to you in the lobby after the service and I just said, listen, here's what you need to know. The internet rumor about me is true. I do have $40 million. That is a true rumor. And everything on the internet is true. We know that because Abraham Lincoln told us. So, so I've got, you'll get that later, $40 million. And I, and I like you. So if you'll come back tonight at like five o'clock, I'll give you a million dollars cash. I'm gonna put a million dollars just because I like you. I think you're special. I'll have it in a duffel bag. Most of you would be like, got nothing to lose. Go, go meet Pastor P at five o'clock. I'm going to get a million dollars in cash. I'll be able to fill my car up two times this week. So I, 
But you pull up in the parking lot, and as you're walking in, you see, you see Philip in his truck with his little Georgia tag on the front of it. Yeah. This is a second chance, Lauren. I'm glad you're here. I just, I just... And Philip calls you over, and he says, hey, listen, uh, I know Perry's in there, and you think he's got a million dollars, but, like, at the end of the day, can you trust him? I mean, you never know. So here's what I'll do. I'll give you $50, and you just go get in your car and go back home. Probably, I would, I would venture to say most of you would say, nah, Philip, I'm not going to give up the potential for a million dollars for, for 50 now, some of y'all are like, that's a bit strange, but if Abram and Sarah wanted a child more than anything else in the world, once they came into Egypt and they got separated from God and they got separated from each other, what they wanted most in life was not a possibility for them. And that's become so dangerous when we walk into the devil's playground because we will give up what we want the most for what we can have in the moment. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And let me pause and say this. I, you've heard me say this before. I, I hate it when preachers go off. Young people, <laughs> sin ain't no fun. And that's because they've never done it right. Because if you do it right, it's fun. Am I right? It's okay to say amen. But, but the problem is, if they stay in Egypt, they're giving up a nation so they can have a few more clothes, a few more pieces of jewelry, and a few more animals. That's a crazy, crazy exchange. And this is where we need to talk about God. Because so far, we haven't seen God mentioned in the story, have we? No, they're just kind of walking away. And you're just kind of wondering, when is God going to show up? Now, I don't know what you grew up thinking about God, but I grew up in an environment that told me that God loved me. But the way that was explained to me was God, God loves you, but he don't like you very much. You ever, you, did you grow up with that God? Like God was, God was mad at something all the time. And everything that happened to somebody was a result of, of God. Just I thought God was mad because my, my preacher, when I went to my dad's church, he was always yelling, ha! I, had to, I thought he had a speech impediment. Was, God! Ha! And, and this is the one that I can't stand, okay? Okay, I'm going to say this, and don't say amen, because what I'm about to say in my preacher voice is stupid, and some people are going to say amen, but don't say amen because it's stupid. This is what they say. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. That's the... Oh, y'all don't understand. If I don't make it in this gig, I'm going to go get me a tent and put it up and just yell at people because people will come show up for that. Have you heard that? God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. I remember the first time I heard that, I went, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Now, some people are like, that's true, Pastor Pete. Okay, well, let's just walk through it logically for a second. 
in heaven, do you think we will be happy? Yes or no? I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking yes, thinking it's way better than the alternative. But I, I'm, but I think in heaven, we will be completely happy. Let me ask you this question. Is God holy in heaven? Yeah, in fact, there's, there's no greater place in the universe to experience his holiness than in the place where he dwells, heaven, right? So how in the world can you separate happiness and holiness? Does God want his children to be happy, yes or no? Yeah, God absolutely, I love it when people go, I got the joy of the Lord in my heart. And I'm like, it didn't make it to your face, man. You need to put, your, you need to put the joy of the Lord on your face. God wants his children to be happy, but if you're a good parent, sometimes you know what your children think will make them happy will not ultimately be good for them in the long term. Am I right? So a good, loving parent will intervene when they see their kid making mistakes that ultimately is going to lead to their destruction. And that's where God intervenes. And this is what's crazy. This is where we see the mercy of God. God doesn't come after Abraham, and God doesn't come after Sarah. Watch what God does. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh. See, God knows that the ultimate battle's with the enemy. God knows if he destroys the enemy, then that's the battle. See, God wants to do a work in us and the enemy wants to do a work in us. And if God can destroy the work that the enemy wants to do in us, that's the battle he's fighting. Some people are like, God wants to destroy me. I promise you, if God wanted to destroy you, you would be destroyed. He's, he's not in heaven going, I can't, I can't get that guy. I can't get him. I can't get him. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarah, Abram's wife. God will always fight for his children. I'm a pretty calm guy. I really am. I think it's because I'm getting older. I'm getting more mellow. Things just don't get to me as much as they used to. I don't get upset like, like football games or sporting events and stuff like that. Even politics. I'm like, I'm not going to get upset. You want to you wanna make me mad? mess with my child. You mess with my child and I can go from zero to pissed off in less than a second. My hands can make it around your throat so fast it won't even be funny. Some of you are like, I have never heard a preacher talk like this before. Welcome, welcome to our church. <laughs> if you're a parent, you get, if somebody messes with your child, they you, you, listen, you got to, we're in the South. You got a shovel and you can dig a hole. That's a, that, I mean, that's, that's our attitude, right? Now, if that's our attitude and we're, the Bible says we were imperfect parents, how does God feel when somebody messes with his child? See, I, I love it. God, I would have expected God came after Abraham. I would have expected God to come after Sarah. But God came after Pharaoh because God is fighting for his children. And there's somebody here today, maybe you've messed up. 
Maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you are making some mistakes and you're in a place where you think there's no way that God wants anything to do with me. I want you to know God is fighting for you. God will fight for you. God doesn't give up on people. And and I know what you're thinking. You're like, I don't know if that's true. Then explain to me how you're hearing a message where I'm telling you that God is fighting for you and I don't even know your circumstances. God will fight for his children, even especially when they're in places where they don't belong. Watch this. This is great. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. (laughs) That's That's a gentle way of saying he lost his mind, right? Accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and get out of here. Kicked him out. God fought so hard for them that the devil kicked them out, right? Watch this. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them. Now, this was not a nice escort. This was like, a, like we're going to make sure you get out of town and we're going to do it by knife point, you know, spear point, whatever. And he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. How great and merciful is God? Abram and Sarah go, they mess up, they get in a situation. God's like, no, 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 no. I love you too much to let you stay there. God fights Pharaoh, pulls Abram and Sarah out of that situation, and they're on their way back towards receiving the promise that God's ultimately going to give them the nation of Israel. That's unbelievable mercy. How great is the mercy of God? Think think about Abram and Sarah. You go always to the, think about the thief on the cross. Remember when Jesus was crucified? And he's crucified between two thieves. You remember the story? We usually don't talk about it at Easter. He's crucified between two thieves, and they're both cussing him. They're both cursing him. And then at the last minute, we don't know what happened. One of the thieves says, hey, will you remember me when you come in? I I think, will you remember me when you come in your kingdom? And, And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then the thief dies. Can you imagine what the first five minutes in heaven for that guy was like? He, he just shows up and everybody in heaven, I'm just making this up, but everybody in heaven is like, who are you? He's like, oh, oh man, you don't even want to know what I've done. What would you do to get here? Um, well, I was cussing this guy out. And then at the last minute, I decided, there. I mean, just something told me there was special, something special about him. So I, I went from calling him, calling him an SOB to calling him the Savior. And they were all like, okay. Did you get baptized? He's, no, um, no, I was dying. I was dying on the cross. Wasn't enough time to pull me down and dunk me under and get me back up. So I, I don't even know what that means. Were you filled with the Holy Spirit? Nope, never heard of what, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what filled with the Holy Spirit is, and I'm not sure I want y'all to show me or anything. What is your view on transubstitiation? I, I don't know what you just called me, but, but I'm... And they're like, how did you get here? 
Is this the man in the middle? I just, I just recognized that man in the middle was... And, and how much mercy did Jesus show him? Here's a guy that had lived his own way his whole life and spent hours cussing Jesus and all of a sudden recognizes Jesus, accepts Jesus, and Jesus goes, you're in. It's just a reminder that the place of your greatest mistake is an opportunity to experience God's greatest mercy. God wants us to experience his mercy. We just got to say, I, I, yes, God, thank you for fighting for me. This is not where I want to be. This is not what I want to be doing. I accept the work that you want to do in me. When I got out of, um, when I got out of rehab, which they say you're not supposed to call it rehab because that sounds bad. You're supposed to call it treatment. But I told the person that told me that, listen, you can't polish a turd. I should have saved that for Redneck Sunday, but it's, it's true. And I came back to Anderson, South Carolina. And listen, y'all, let's just, can we just talk about Anderson, South Carolina for a second? It, Anderson, South Carolina is a place where, where, I mean, and you know this, take me out of the picture. People in this town know how to gossip. Mm-hmm. And so people were like, what are you going to do? I was like, man, I don't know. I start, I'm going to do a business. And they were like, you going to start a church? And I was like, mm-mm, not in Anderson. I might go work for a church one day, but it'll have to be another state, maybe even another country. I did consider that, by the way. I did. I really did. I said, but I, there's no way I would ever start a church in Anderson. Because in Anderson, there's, there, I'm kind of known for like publicly blowing up my life. And so there's no, I mean, I talk, talk about a mistake. I made some mistakes in Anderson, South Carolina, and I don't think I would ever, ever, ever start a church here. So every time I pull up in the parking lot and I see that sign, every time, I thank God for his mercy place of my greatest mistake is a place where I get to see God's greatest mercy every Sunday. And here's the good news. If he did it for Abram and Sarah, and he did it for me, he'll do it for you. All you got to do is say, God, I'm in a place where I don't want to be, and I absolutely want your mercy in my life. So Jesus, I want to ask you right now, that your presence just be known in, in this place. And Father, that, that we would be so open to the fact that you love us and you also like us. And you're not out to get us back. You're out to bring us back. So Father, I pray for the person today that maybe has stepped away from you. Maybe they, they're a little bit further from you than they, they used to be. And today, we just want to step back closer to you. That over the next few moments, that we would just focus on that what you did on the cross paid for our sin. 
And God, in you, we don't have to focus on our mistakes, that we can focus on your mercy. And the cross that was meant for me was carried by you. And your grace and your mercy is greater than our greatest mess up and mistake. Jesus, I want to thank you so much for your amazing grace and mercy. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, maybe, maybe you felt like today that you can relate to Abram and Sarah where you just allowed circumstances to take your eyes off Jesus and you've kind of stepped away. And today you need to understand that his, he's fighting for you. He's not fighting you, he's fighting for you because he wants greater things. And maybe you just need to tell him today, God, I'm, I'm coming back. Maybe you're here today, you never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life. And you realize that like he will save you no matter how bad you think you may be or no matter what you've done, he will come into your life today and make you a brand new person. If that's you and that's what you need and you want to ask Christ to come in your life, I want you to pray right where you stand right now. I just want you to say in your heart, just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over in Jesus' name. With head still bowed, eyes still closed right now. If you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just prayed that prayer and asked Christ to come into your life, I want you to do me a favor and hold your hand up and hold it up high because I want to celebrate with you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you just real high. Hold it up, hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Father, I want to thank you so much, God, for hands in the air right now. I want to thank you for changed lives. I want to thank you, Jesus, that your mercy is greater than our biggest mistakes. Father, I want to thank you for the people that just gave their life to you. Father, I want to thank you for the people that that today is the day that they understand that they're coming back to you because you've been fighting for them. As we walk out of this place, Jesus, may we do so knowing that your mercy is greater than our biggest mistake. Thank you, God, that you're so good. We love you. Everybody that agreed with this prayer said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too.